Hello and welcome. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? It's hot as balls, but I'm I'm living. I'm I'm loving. I'm laughing. You're on vacation, so you're... yes, Adam and I are on vacation right now. So it is hard to be mad at vacation. Um, I unfortunately got some like emails that have made me snap back to reality about like work stuff. Gross. Yeah, like job search don't stuff. Don't look at oh job search mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say don't look at your work emails while you're not at work, or even when you are at work. If anyone from my office that didn't know I was looking for a job is hearing this, no, you didn't hear this. <laughs> um, nobody heard. Nobody a thing. heard a thing. But yeah, we're in Kansas City. I'm recording live from our friends Alicia and Drew's guest room. Where they have central air conditioning. So it's a new life for me. Wow. How exciting. Pretty nice. It's a better life for sure. Yeah, I'm like, it's 112 today. And I've got a 112? Good lord, woman. In here. But it's because I got to have the AC cranked all the way up. Yeah. So I'm cold. Yeah, I feel the same way. I like to sleep cold rather than hot. I don't like being hot. It's awful. I like have such poor circulation that I'm usually cold except when I sleep. I'm like a little fireball. So life is great. It's fun to have a body. They function fine. So this is the spooky succubus cast. If we if you didn't know, if you weren't sure where you, you are, if you didn't know, where you <laughs> I'm Abby. I'm here with Rebecca. And I'm also a little self-conscious because my Adam is in the room with me today taking a nap while we record. But he's still awake. So are you judging me? <gasps> no judgment. He here. hears all of our stupid ass shit when he helps you edit anyway. So. That's true. It's just like you're <laughs> he's editing before we get into logic. He's like in real time hearing the dumb shit we say that he's going to have to fix. Right, honey? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And today we're talking about an American werewolf in London, which is something I've never seen before. But now I have. But now you've done it. I'm like, I'm not going to. I do really like this movie. And when I I thought it was really funny when I first saw it, but it has um, it's basically nothing but problems. And it is um, very problematic and not that good. Sorry. Sorry. John Landis is um, a criminal. We'll get into. Yes. But um, Um, he's a bad, bad, bad person. He seems really invested in not caring about consent when women are having sexual encounters. So that's cool. Uh, well, he's responsible for the deaths of three people. Two of them were children. So what? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, we talk about it up at the top. Uh, yeah, when he was filming the Twilight Zone, uh, which is a couple years after this, he uh, disregarded California's child labor laws and illegally hired two young children. One of them was six. One of them was seven. Um, and they, along with their names are um, Renee Shin Yi Chen, and then Micah Din Lee, and then Vic Morrow, uh, who is Jennifer Jason Lee's father. Um, they all died in a helicopter accident while filming um, at 2 a.m. And yeah, there was explosion set off in a helicopter. They were like deep in water. A helicopter like was too close to the explosions and it was damaged. And all three of them died very sadly. That is fucked um, up. 
And a California court acquitted him and four other crew members of involuntary manslaughter, which is a load of bullshit. And it seems like the children were children of color, huh? Yeah, Renee Shinyi Chen was of Taiwanese descent, and Micah Din Lee was Vietnamese. That's effed up. Their parents and their families got uh, court settlements, but like money doesn't matter in a situation like child. It's not, yeah. Um, So he's a bad, bad, bad person. Yes, uh, and the movie seems to have still been released. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen it. Have you? No, I've never seen it. Uh, I knew, like, I, I'm sure I watched like some stupid YouTube videos of like disasters while filming but i never really like linked that with john landis in this movie so um it really brought it all the way down yeah yeah seriously uh the only one i can think of off the top of my head is brandon lee in the crow yeah yeah in the crow yeah one of those gone but not forgotten and very sad um but he, yeah, John Landis also did Coming to America after the Twilight. He's like still, he's still in the business. Like he, this should have ruined his career. He should have never worked again. But, and I do love Coming to America. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm like now in a Brandon Lee rabbit hole. But we're good. We're good. We'll move on. Move on. We're not. We're here to talk about poor a guy bad moon rising. It is. Wait, that's not the title. That's not it. at all the title of the movie. <laughs> Even but. though that's the. <laughs> The song plays like four different times. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like really idiosyncratic when the song would play in like inappropriate times. I mean, this movie is like very choppy. <laughs> Sequentially, I am confused and the ending is really funny. Um, it's all kind of funny. It's very yeah. abrupt, the ending. But should we get into it? I love you. <laughs> And then he's dead. Uh, yeah, anyway, he dies. Yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> it's like the whole tone of the movie is like, and then he's dead. So, yeah, it was pretty funny. Uh, so I'm reading the plot today. Yeah. Yeah. Here we ready? go. Yes. So Blue Moon plays over shots of rolling hills, ending in a short a shot of a remote rural road. Headlights appear on the road, and a farmer appears with his lorry full of sheep. Lorry is truck in lorry. British wow. talk. Yeah, I, I'm well-researched. Uh, he opens the back, and two hitchhikers hop out, and the farmer tells them to keep off the moors and stick to the roads, foreshadowing. Jack, played by Griffin Dunn, and David, played by some other guy, <laughs> are... <laughs> Do you want to know his name? His name I is David Naughton. Yeah, David Naughton. But I don't know. I enjoyed Griffin Dunn's presence in the movie more than David Naughton's, if you want the truth. And Griffin Dunn is kind of um, sexy. Really? I, I think it's the opposite. David Naughton is, like, so weird. He's got, like, big eyes, and he's being so, like, weird. He's, like, chewing scenery and, like, he jumping. He weird I don't know. when he, uh, he's aged weird, too. He just looks like a toe <laughs> with eyes, essentially. I think, like, did you ever watch 40 Days and 40 Nights? Oh, the Lent sex movie? Yeah, yeah. The, maybe the worst movie ever made. Yeah, I've seen um, it. I used to play on TV all the time, and Griffin Dunn is in it, and he's, like, the creepy boss who's, like, 
masturbating in the bathroom all the time. So that's the only way I can think about him. Um, um, that is not how I think about him. Let me think. Let's go to the IMDb. <laughs> Come on, you can't tell me he's not a sexually sexually daddy, a sexy daddy. <laughs> I mean, I can and I will. I don't. I don't know. I think it's maybe his condescending tone. I don't know that I don't appreciate. It's fair. You cannot appreciate it. Um, now that we're talking about this, I'm not exactly even sure I know where the fuck I know him from. <laughs> I don't know where you... That's, oh, I that's lo- my I point of reference. I love Dick. The show I love Dick, he was on, and I thought that was pretty good. And... And that's a... House of Lies, a.k.a. House of Pies. Yeah, he's around. Never... He's around. He's, he's doing stuff. Sure. Why not? Yeah, I mean, he's around, but that's not what we're here to talk about. He probably is, though. But anyway, David and Jack are... David and Jack are traveling abroad for three months, starting in northern England and eventually traveling to Italy. Jack mentions that he hopes Debbie Klein will meet him in Rome, but David says she's mediocre. Uh, Jack is focused on her body and says he has to make love to her. She has no choice in the matter, so that's not great. They reach a village in a pub called the Slaughtered Lamb. The locals go silent when they arrive, and the server is hostile. They see a five-pointed star, which they call inexplicably a pentangle. I was like, okay. I was... Yeah. No one's ever called it a pentangle Pentangle. It's a a pentagram. And Jack says it's used in witchcraft. He asks what the star is for, and the men tell them to leave. The bartender says not to let them go, but they're sent out, and one man tells them, God be with you, and they say to stay on the road and beware the moon. Foreshadowing. Back at the pub, the bartender is insistent they shouldn't have let them go, and another man says it's murder. Jack and David wonder what was going on at the pub, and it begins to rain. The bartender says they should have told them, and here's a howl, but the locals deny it and won't help. The boys realize they've deviated. Because she's a woman. Yeah, she's, you know? like she's the only woman. Doing the, the emotional bar. labor of every person in the bar. Uh, they realize they've deviated from the road, which was, like, literally the only rule. Like, the only rule was stay on the road. They're so fucking dumb. They, the scene, like, you get the shot of them veering off to nothing like where are you where are you going the road is in front of you so uh yeah then they're realizing they're lost they decide to go back to the pub but they're being circled by a critter that's howling uh (laughs) you know from context clues we may be able to determine that it is indeed a werewolf Uh, i mean the name of the movie is right up top right at the top there david trips as they walk away and jack helps him up but is attacked by the werewolf it then attacks david and is shot by the locals that have finally come to their aid after it's shot it reverts back to being a human David wakes up in the hospital and calls out for Jack, but then falls unconscious again with Nurse Price, a.k.a. Alex, watching over him, with whom he has an inappropriate relationship. Dr. Hirsch (laughs) arrives and says Jack Goodman was the boy that was killed uh, and that they were attacked by an escaped lunatic. In the woods, we see the point of view of someone running through the trees. Uh, And then back in the hospital, David wakes up and finds out that Jack has died. He's visited by someone from the American embassy, but nobody believes that. Oh, sorry. He doesn't believe that Jack has died. Uh, He said that it was a wolf, not a lunatic, but no one believes him. That he that 
embassy guy is the worst person in the world. There's no reason to get hysterical. I was like, I would say this is like kind of a reason to get hysterical. Right. I appreciate how upset you are, but like, shut up. You don't appreciate it, sir. You don't appreciate it. I forget his name. Mr. Collins. What a shithead. Fuck that guy. All right. So where are we at here? Adam, where are we at here? Two cops go to see the doctor. Adam doesn't know. Two cops go to see the doctor uh, about David's attack on the Moors, and David continues to insist that it was an animal. Again, they don't believe him and say they have two witnesses, and they depart. We revert back to the woods point of view, and the angle shifts, so we see uh, naked David running through the woods, uh, and then he attacks and eats a deer. Nurse Price is making her rounds and checks in on David, who has not eaten. She tells him that he has to eat to take his medication, and she feeds them very feeds him very sexually. It's not really fun to watch because it's hospital food, you know. It's not it's not sexy. I mean, it looks better than like American hospital food, but yeah. In a dream, David runs through the woods and sees his own hospital bed where his face becomes like feral with long teeth. He tells Dr. Hirsch it was an animal that attacked them and he tells him about the dreams. He says he saw Jack torn apart and he knows it was an animal, but Dr. Hirsch disbelieves him and uh, doesn't think the police have checked into his story. Alex keeps uh, David company, and he calls her beautiful. She reads to him. Again, seems outside of the boundaries of her job completely. But she's got a thing for him. You know, it's not her fault. She can't help it. I mean, I guess. I guess so. Uh, David dreams of his family at home being attacked by monster-faced men with machine guns. Nazi. Nazi werewolves. Oh, is that what they were? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was watching in the car and there was Jewish, a lot of glare. Because David's Jewish. Oh my god, did I miss the entire underpinning of this movie? Well, yeah, he's a Jewish man in Europe, and there are Nazi werewolves coming to attack him. There you go, everyone. Wow. So David dreams of his family at home being attacked by Nazi werewolves uh, with machine guns and setting his house on fire. When he wakes up, he believes he sees Alex being attacked by another monster, but it is only a dream. The next morning, he wakes up and sees Jack, who's covered in slashes. Jack talks about his funeral and how Debbie Klein fucked another guy to get over his death. Uh, He says he came with a warning. They were attacked by a werewolf, and because Jack was murdered unnaturally, he walks the earth in limbo. He tells David to kill himself and end the lycanthrope bloodline before he kills others. Nurse Alex comes in and finds David crying. He kisses her and says he's a werewolf, and he tells her that he saw Jack, and then she says, you're very She brings him back to her apartment. Uh, She says she finds him attractive and they have sex. In the bathroom afterward, David sees Jack again. And Jack says tomorrow night is the full moon and he'll change. And that he has to kill himself before it's too late. David asks Jack if he's really dead and says he doesn't believe Jack is real. Alex asks if he's okay, and David says he saw Jack again, and he thinks he's going crazy, and then he tells her he thinks a werewolf can only be killed by someone who loves him, which is... Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. 
Back in the country, uh, Dr. Hurst's checking out the slaughtered lamb. He asks the locals about the attack, but they're cagey. Uh, The doctor asks about the pentangle, and they say it's an old tradition. He asks about David's story of a werewolf attack, and the men are hostile. One of them leaves to check on their dogs. Wink, wink. (laughs) And uh, Dr. Hirsch leaves and sees the man waiting for him. He tells him David is in danger and that he'll change at the full moon. Uh, the rude, bald guy that seems to like run the roost of everyone lying to each other catches him and uh, the dog man runs away. You know, the doctor tries to order a Campari and soda. and I know. I was that. like, ooh la la. Hmm. Uh, Alex goes to work the next day and leaves David at her flat. On the sidewalk, he runs into a dog and cat that bark and hiss at him, respectively. And in the flat, he's restless. It's a very, very long scene of him doing nothing. It was pretty boring. It was. Could have used some editing. Was boring, uh, yeah. And I was like, just watch TV. I would have had no problem just, like, fully melting into the couch, turning the TV on, and, like, going into a coma. Come on, learn to relax, David. Take a nap. Yeah. Uh, The moon becomes full and David starts sweating and rips his clothes off. The bones in his hands extend into paws. He grows hair and his teeth sharpen as he transforms. It is also a pretty lengthy scene, but it's good. It's funny. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Who can even describe it in words? You just have to see it. You have to see it. They create the Academy Award created a category for makeup because of this movie. It is was that so true? Yeah, this is the first. That's wild! Wow, mm-hmm. you are coming with facts today, dude. Facts. I forget his name. Damn, I should figure that. Mr. out. Mr. Man. I'll look it up while you keep talking. Mr. Man. A young couple exits a cab in front of an apartment building, and they decide to go around to the back to scare their friend who they're going to the house of. But unfortunately, the scare doesn't go through because they are attacked by Wolf David. Uh, Dr. Hirsch asks to see Alex in his office and says he's concerned about David. He calls the flat, but there's no answer. And he is suspicious and tells her about his visit to East Proctor. He's convinced the community is lying and he believes that David is convinced he's a werewolf. The couple's friend, Sean, back at the murder site over there, looks back in the garden for Harry, his friend, but steps on his maimed, decapitated or de-disembodied arm. Uh, There's a little unhoused community where a dog is sensing something creepy and the dog runs away. The people hear howling and then Wolf David attacks them. A young man exits the tube and hears howling in the station. Again, running, stumbling onto the escalator and Wolf David attacks him. What? Did you hear that? That was <laughs> I no, hit I on didn't. the IMD page and the video started playing because I'm trying to look up the makeup guy. I heard nary a peep. I was just in my, oh my uh, in my head about all these Wolf David attacks. You know, David does this. David does that. David, 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 David. Okay, uh, David wakes up in the zoo the next day. Alex waits for him at the flat and checks in with Doctor Hirsch. At the zoo, David's running around naked and beckons a child to the bush where he's hiding to steal his balloons to wear as a balloon loincloth. Dr. Hirsch sees newspapers about David's murderous rampage. He makes it back to the flat and is questioned by Alex. He says he's lost his mind, woke up in the zoo, and doesn't remember what he did last night. 
Dr. Hirsch calls and she confirms that he's rational and he asks Alex to bring David to the hospital. The cab driver tells them about six murders from the night before and David demands that he pull over and says he's going to the police. He finds a cop in the park and demands to be arrested, but the officer doesn't believe him and he tells Alex he loves her, but she has to stay away from him and he runs off. The two inspectors, yeah, useless. Can't trust him. Uh, And Alex are in Dr. Hirsch's office, but again, they don't believe David is connected to the murders. Which, like, Like, why? All the evidence is pointing. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. In a phone booth, David calls home to say goodbye to his family, uh, and then he tries to slit his wrists in the phone booth, but he stops. He goes to a porn theater and finds Jack there. Jack says he wants him to meet the people that he killed the night before, and they all tell him to take his own life and end the wolf's bloodline and the curse. Uh, In the theater, he turns and kills the proprietor. The cops uh, look in, lock down the theater up, and then say there's a monster. I said lock down the theater up. Lock the theater up. Are you down? They lock it down. You down with it? it? (laughs) Um, And then Wolf David busts out of the theater and kills one of the inspectors, which their fault. The the annoying one. Yeah. yeah, The old stuffy one it then runs through the streets and causing havoc uh dr hirsch and alex find out about the disturbance and realize it's david (sighs) yawn break sorry uh they take a cab and alex runs to find him she busts through the line of cops runs into the alley where he's hiding and says that she loves him and she wants to help him uh, but then he tries to attack her and is killed by cops. We're reverting back to himself, himself, and then Alex cries, and that's it. It's like literally like black screen after that. Yeah, the end. The end. Yeah, it is. Uh, the pacing and the tone is all over the place. It is absolutely sure. bizarre. The pacing was so confusing. Like, <laughs> we have a five-minute scene of him just like dicking around in the apartment, and then he, the movie like climax ends in like 15 seconds yeah i mean this the chaos scene in piccadilly circus is pretty good though it was like the bus runs and runs over people is yeah it was well it was pretty fun yeah uh and i'm glad the cop died any cops that die i'm good with that but um yeah generally i think this movie was pretty fine i enjoyed it Rick Baker is the name of the makeup guy. I finally Yeah, Rick it. Baker Here is the MVP of this movie. Uh yeah, the transformation scene is is pretty crazy and cool. Uh but yeah, John Landis is a bad person and I don't after connecting the dots, I don't think I can ever watch this movie. Really? Or, it's pretty upsetting. I didn't even know about it's this. It's very upsetting. Or Coming to America also sad i might still watch it but that one oh it's also listen to this which i just learned um <laughs> john landis came up with a story while working in yugoslavia as a pa on the film kelly's heroes he drove uh on location and they came across a group of romanis which they call a slur in this mm-hmm. uh, article And they were performing rituals on a man being buried so that he would not rise from the grave. This made Landis realize he would never be able to confront the undead and gave him the idea for a film in which a man would go through the same thing. So he appropriated this from Ronmani Funereal Rites and called them a racial slur as well. So 
He kind of is a dickhead, huh? He's a dick. It's, I mean, this movie is really xenophobic. Like, the people of Yorkshire. Oh, like, my God. Put, yeah. Sentence these two men to death, like, because they don't want to deal with their bullshit or they're afraid of them. I don't know. Or don't care about them at all. Yeah, I do Just not. Like, um, I think we could start with, like, the treatment of women and consent. So, obviously, Jack... Um, talks about raping Debbie Klein, and I feel like the lines of consent... Up at the top. Like, opens the movie with rape talk, yeah. And uh, I think that the way that the relationship between Alex and David is crafted is just, like, super creepy and unprofessional. I'm, you know, not that into professionalism generally, but I think in a medical setting... I don't know. It feels like they were breaking rules. And David was extremely inappropriate with her while she was in her workplace. And it's just pure chance that it worked. Am I right? I mean, I think, I mean, I don't blame Alex. I think, like, yeah, professionalism is stupid. And, like, if everyone is on board, then okay. But, yeah, David was just, like, enamored with her immediately. But I think, like, to undercut the homosexuality in this movie they like really force like force heteronormative yeah heteronormative like lines of dialogue and relationships they like it's it's a lot because there's like two young men traveling alone like all of their interactions center around like a sexual experience and they just keep getting more intense but that's we'll get into the homophobia and the and the queerness of this movie. I think it's clear that they love each other and really like the true through line and love story is between Jack and David, but you're totally right. Like the movie like overcorrects to not make just like what I don't think it is like a sexually charged relationship. They just seem like loving friends that actually like have a dynamic that is, you know, outside of what we construct as the realms of male friendship. So the movie has to, like, overcorrect to convince us that they don't, like, want to fuck each other, right? Yeah, because the first, yeah, their first interactions, their first, like, They're like, women, like, I fuck Jack women. is talking about, I want to fuck Debbie. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, later on, he, he talks about Debbie fucking another guy, and then he's in a porn theater in the very last interaction they have together. Um... But Alex is barely a character. She's just like a nurse who likes Disney. Who she likes Mickey Mouse. Right. And that's also weird. Uh, yeah, her identity is, is like to like completely like traditionally feminine. Like she's the mother, she's the wife. Like she her role is only as caretaker. She has no identity outside of that. And how do you know you love a werewolf after like two days? I mean, he's not even that funny. I mean, I think he's kind of funny. And he's always, like, leaping. And she finds him a little bit sad, which I don't get. He's barely sad. I don't know. He's mostly just, like, I mean, he's kind of manic, mostly. I think, like, the correct thing to do would be, like, I don't know if this person should be discharged because they're hallucinating. Yeah, like, I don't... This doesn't seem like in a... Like, she just doesn't make any logical decisions. It's only because she's, like, fallen in love with David for no apparent reason. I hope she has, like, a really good life after this whole situation. She, it's, yeah, it's just a, she writes in her diary about it and then she moves on. But she's a Mary Sue. She's, like, smart and capable and. Yeah, totally. Exceptional and 
she her only goal is to serve this man who just like bounded leaped into her life and then her professionalism and like her exceptionalism is highlighted by the really like nasty characterization of another nurse that works on the floor uh gallagher yeah as like wearing too much makeup kind of crude uh and tacky she's like got a blonde curly head of hair wears lipstick chews gum and she like mentions one sexual thing so she's like disgusting well she like doesn't take his consent into question because she also a consent dick. issue she looks at his peen mm-hmm. without asking but i don't know if the like i don't think gallagher got a very nice treatment i think that no. she was just used as a pawn basically to make alex seem more appealing as the sort of like prim girl next door vibe perfect well yeah because because gallagher isn't taken seriously as by a nurse Hirsch. yeah uh, is that your bike accident on your elbow there? My bike, yeah, it's starting to peel. Oh wow, poor thing. It's gonna scar. I can already see the scar coming in, but that's okay. Um, also, the like Doctor Hirsch validates a lot of like Alex's concerns. Yeah, like, even if they're outlandish, right? Yeah, and it's only the movie only starts taking like her seriously in connection with the men that she's around so like her relationship with dr hearst like pushes her to save david otherwise she wouldn't have taken it seriously and right her, you know it just seems and he instead of her going to the village and like research like looking after whatever went on with david and the these townsfolk it's dr hirsch who goes and tries to order his campari soda but i don't know yeah, it is. Um, I feel like he treats her with kid gloves and doesn't like allow her a lot yeah. of autonomy to kind of like take ownership over a situation that she has an equal stake in with anyone else. Uh, yeah, I think the men in this movie are toxic a fuck for sure. Yeah, I mean he yeah he's ordering her around and like thinks he knows better than her even though in the end he also doesn't help any situation he doesn't save anybody's lives he doesn't save david you know so do you want to talk about what did you really do yeah dr hirsch you just kind of like cracked the case and then we're like well can't really do anything about it what is too bad do you want to talk about racism in this movie which comes in the form of the orderly who is south asian and a south asian patient the orderly the little boy yes the orderly is um written as kind of like obnoxious and cruel because alex asks a question like how is the patient the american patient and he's like essentially like i don't get paid to check on patients i push a card around and for real <laughs> yeah. shut the fuck up and it's kind of coded as like he is being difficult or like not considerate when alex is asking about the welfare of a patient uh and he's coded as really like extroverted and over the top uh and sort of like the friendly like helpful minority that appears on screen and then the little boy ben is non-vocal essentially and only says the word no and Mm -hmm. uh, alex mocks him for it she like makes fun of him and uh is like mean to him not in a like overt way but she's subtly like dismissive and unkind to this child who can't speak right well, I think it's, like, supposed to be... I, I don't see it that she's making fun of him. I think it's, like, 
the movie really pigeonholing her into this motherly role, like putting her in position with a child. And then the fact that the child is of color and doesn't get any lines yeah. is a real problem here. But I mean, I think it's like her like joking around with the kid is more like she her having no patience for him. But um, yeah, I think it's weird that this would never be a nurse's duties to check on the children. Unless and also, she worked like, in a, a pediatric ward. Been in, yeah. Yeah. And the guy with the fucking werewolf wounds like this is not So the only reason that she's around these children is to put her in a protective angel. I feel like why is the kid brown unless it's supposed to be like a sort of white supremacist structure where she is like the caretaker and the authority figure and she is like the savior controlling his, you know, intake of medication, etc. And I feel like she like does sort of mock him for his tendency to be nonverbal and only say no, but I think that there were ways to, like, paint this that were a little less charged and, like, overtly racist. It's also, like, this movie is one of those movies that uh, exists in, a like, a white supremacist utopia where there are no black people in London, no black or brown people in yeah, London. Yeah, two, like, South, all of the two South Asian white. people, no black people, right. Uh, it's pretty incredible, yeah. In, yeah, in a very diverse major European city. So, do you want to tell me about homophobia? Yeah. I mean, speaking as, like, two heterosexual ladies, uh, I don't know. I don't know anything. I just know what other, what I can learn from uh, queer voices. So, I read this article, The Love of a Good Woman Won't Save You, Queer Narratives and American Werewolf in London by Marissa Mercurio. Um, And she cites... Um, a, a book by Henry M. Benzoff, which I haven't read, but I do want to read. It's called Monsters in the Closet, Homosexuality in Horror Film. Cool. Um, yeah, that, and so... I'm adding it to my list right now. Into our general reading list. Um, they both argue that werewolves are inherently a queer monstro- monstrosity because they are normal men, usually, uh, masquerading as normal but they have a deadly secret and hidden self yes Um, and this is a disruption of norm society and so uh there are like subtle like homophobic lines and and like not they're honestly not that subtle nothing in this movie is subtle but they're not as overt as like maybe the the relationship between jack and david like david has to wear a woman's coat uses the f word also he says the f word um he calls queen elizabeth a man like this is when he's trying to provoke the cop but still um and that's like the point that i brought up earlier that they have to cut the homosexual undertones with these like overt heteronormative relationships and that like the idea that David can be saved by his heterosexual relationship with Alex. Right. And she comes in at the, like it's their, their, the relationship, the romantic relationship and the where the lycanthropic, 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 um, 
transformation are linked and ultimately her love can't save him and this is like they argue that that's like a very queer understanding of the movie is that Mm -hmm. like a queer character dies and doesn't get any redemption and can't be saved and that's like the the relationship between Jack and David is ratcheted up in the sexuality yeah totally culminates in their um final discussion which is in a porn theater theater. right Mm-hmm. And and Jack says he's lonely and he keeps visiting him and he is like the representation of him his hidden self and he comes back to disrupt the relationship that David is having with Alex. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately because this like true self is unable to kind of like take ownership and flourish, he like the <laughs> the like queerness and, like, the queer elements of his personality have to, like, die, essentially. And Alex yeah. isn't enough to sort of save him from this, like, other fate that has befallen him because he can't, like, live as himself, essentially. Interesting. And the queer monster is gunned down by the police. Yeah, is... of course. Why not? So sad. But I, it's also, like, the way and the times that Jack appears are interesting. Because like he comes, ap- like, right when after. he's naked, always. He meets Alex, and he and uh, right after they have sex, and he's naked. And, like, he appears to him in the bathroom, like, very intimate moments. Mm-hmm. And he calls to him to come to the theater. Like, so, it's interesting. I thought it was, it was a really good article. And I, I really, it was well written. So, I want to read more from her. Because she does a lot in, like, gothic um, fiction. What is her name? Stuff, so. Marissa Mercurio. So the person that M-E. wrote um, Monsters in the Closet is also a critic, Harry Benshoff, that I relied pretty heavily on for a Ganja and Hess article. So, Harry, wherever you are, wow, shout out to you. Doing, doing the work doing for us all, the work. as is usual. Yeah. Somebody has to. Um, this week it definitely wasn't me, though. <laughs> I mean, you know, we got a dumb little podcast. We're fine. It's fine. Yeah, it is. Uh, We're having a good time. It is fine. Yeah. Uh, I also think the representation of the unhoused community is pretty not nice in this movie. It's a pretty classist movie. Is one of the people experiencing homelessness, is that a black man? That might be the only black man in the movie. I believe you're right. Uh, If he's not black, then he's either... Um, like South Asian or Middle Eastern, but he yeah. has maybe one line. Um, when they're in the theater and they're mad, yeah, and it's like a an angry expression of frustration that he has been killed by a white guy. Basically, I feel like all of these people had to die because of the hubris of a white man who wasn't able to yeah. like take ownership over his own behavior. Couldn't rein in his ego. Yeah, right? Uh, It's also, like, the way after he transforms, he's, like, gets even more manic and leapy and jumping around. Yeah. um, And horny. He, like, really wants to fuck her after he changes. And he says, like, like, he feels great. He has, like, never felt so good. So his sort of self-discovery is at the, like, behest of, like, or has to come at the expense of other human life that are deemed like less valuable like kind of a dickhead businessman the unhoused community like i don't know i think there's a little bit of coding 
with all of these people that's like they deserve it like the young couple is playing a prank and they're like kind of obnoxious the unhoused community is of course like naturally they're demonized and then the businessman Mm -hmm. is like kind of a prick he's the only one that i'm like yeah no he can be dead that's cool he's also kind of effeminate though that's actually true yeah yeah which is also yeah very problematic uh but that's like such a good like well shot scene like all those like london underground scenes yeah that was really fun to watch pretty cool yeah and then you see an ad for the like porn theater where he goes later yeah Mm -hmm. i'm having trouble finding the names of the unhoused folks in the movie but uh jim henson is credited as kermit the frog which comes on the tv so that's fine (laughs) kermit the frog and frank oz uh as mr collins is also the voice of miss piggy wow think about their relationship miss piggy and kermit that's an ideal dynamic yeah yeah that's goals for sure um, and yeah, like fat woman representation, right? Hell yeah. Miss Piggy is a body neutrality, body positivity queen. Uh, there are none of those in this movie. I have a feeling Dave, John Landis doesn't like fat people. The barmaid is kind of fat, but she's like Lila K. She's like mother fat. She's not like a Nation sexual League. object at all. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is also a problem that she has to be like the matronly barmaid who no one listens to. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, who the men in the bar I completely like, disregard. Get out of there. Like, what kind of life is this? This bald man is like running the show and you're telling them like, dude, this is not correct. And they're not even listening to you. Poor lady. Right, poor thing. And yeah, I, I, I hope she is at least, she, at least she owns the slaughtered lamb. I don't know. Yeah. I hope she... T- has something i like how they have no food only beer and spirits maybe they do have food they just don't want to give it to strangers um fair point i mean they don't behave very well when they arrive they have the like american exceptionalism where they come in and think every space belongs to them yeah but i I mean like yeah i probably treat americans the same way but you know it's they sh- don't deserve to die just because they're annoying. No, I'll say that. I smell pretty bad right now. You smell bad? It's hot. It's... I was going to ask you, who's your favorite Muppet? My favorite Muppet? Um, Probably Janet. She's good. Yeah. I like Monster, too. Yeah, me too. Isn't that Animal? Animal, what did I say? Monster. Monster. I don't remember anyone's name. I just Googled... You remember Fraggle Rock? Yes. I just Googled the word animal thinking it would give me the Muppet. <laughs> like, no, that's not the only... One day, it'll... Our brains will just be synced. Animal and Janet. Computers. Is it Janice? I don't... Is it like Janice after Janice Joplin? Oh, yeah. It's Janice. Janice is a humanoid Muppet, just in case you're wondering. She is the... Uh, lead guitarist of the rock and roll band Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. I like Gonzo a lot. Too. I like Gonzo too. Oh my god. Uh, I don't know that anyone who is a millennial or an old millennial even People know what the, the Muppets. Muppets are. Do Gen Zers know Muppets? I don't know. 
Who knows? Uh, yeah, they have to know Muppets. Did you watch Fraggle Rock, the the greatest show Down ever made? Down Fraggle Rock. Was Animal and Fraggle Rock? Oh no, they're no. they're a different thing. They're little Fraggleites. I don't know what they're called. They are called Fraggles. <laughs> <laughs> You probably should have oh, put man. two and two together. So do you want to talk a little bit about the xenophobia in this movie? I mean, I don't know that I have anything intelligent to say. I don't think I do either, that. but definitely these boys suffer from American exceptionalism. They're dismissive and cruel uh, to the people in the pub. They are invasive, asking what the pentangle is for when they could have just sat quietly and enjoyed their beer uh, without mm-hmm. bothering anyone. And then uh, David exhibits a lot of like arrogance and exceptionalism as he moves through like London and Piccadilly Circus. And a lot of people die because of him. Um and they're not mm-hmm. Americans, so but they are white Londoners, so maybe there's not as much there as I want there to be. He also like is naked hiding in a bush at the zoo, right? And calls and a little beckoning boy over a child him. over, yeah. Creep. That's creepy. He certainly should have been apprehended by someone. Right. I mean, he could have, he didn't need the balloons. Like, what were the balloons really doing? Yeah, I think that if anything, the the balloons were drawing more attention to the situation. Yeah. I have to be honest. Uh, So that was weird. But yeah, he is also like very quick to try to get arrested, but is unsuccessful. Somehow, I also I can't believe I completely missed the like anti-Semitic like Nazi werewolf element. Like, what the hell was I doing? Mm-hmm. Just like my brain was out to lunch, I guess. <laughs> it's, I mean, there. Well, because the Gallagher looks at his penis and is like, he's Jewish from New York. Yeah, he's circumcised, and then they and then the Nazi scene. So it's like his fear, his xenophobia. Um, for being in Europe and being a Jewish American. That's interesting. Um, it seems like a pretty like short-lived comment on like anti-Semitic feelings in Europe, though, because it's never revisited, right? Yeah, that's not like... Nazi werewolf. I mean, I guess him turning into a werewolf. I don't... I mean, I don't really... I don't know if we that. can handle this, to be honest with you. I yeah, I'm telling you, I don't I don't know anything about anything, as is usual. Okay, the mutant Nazis are half human, half werewolf. Who knew? I'm on. They aren't werewolves. The the word werewolf is half human. Half I'm on. Wolf. <laughs> I'm on werewolf <laughs> Wikipedia. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what the fuck? I don't know. I feel like this is but. not our best episode, and I'm pretty sure it's my fault because I'm like, it's fine. You're on vacation. I let's, am on let's vacation. Call it a day, you know. It was an okay movie. It's misogynistic and racist and homophobic, but uh, and John kind of- Landis kills uh, Asian children. So keep that in mind as you're consuming media that that fuckface created. Yeah, he killed. He killed three people. Uh, they died because of him, and. Um, his disregard for their safety. So I don't care what the courts and I mean, allegedly 
Right. Don't sue us. I don't have any money Who anyway. Allegedly, us? he did it. Oh, okay. my God. Imagine if John Landis got wind of us and he was like, oh, I'm suing the pants off of these people. That would be I disappointing for him. I, don't, I mean, you're not going to get anything from me. No, just tears. Anyway. tears. Tears. Uh, what should we do next week? Anywho. We could take a poll. Yeah, let's take a poll. We can make it right now. Okay. Wow. Wow. All right. Anyway, let's uh, fuck xenophobia. Fuck anti-Semitism. Fuck, fuck not getting consent for sexual encounters. Uh, right. Fuck capitalism, as always. Kind of fuck Dr. Uh, Hirsch. I know you tried, but you failed, buddy. Failed hard. Fuck the police. Um, fuck the cops, as usual. Fuck, especially that old stuffy cop. Yeah. What a dick. The young guy was actually trying to make some headway, man. But is that ageism? Mm. Is it? I don't know. I mean, the young guy is know. characterized as being kind of like a bumbling fool, so. But he does almost believe them, so. Is this movie anti-cop like, or just like cop neutral? I think it's probably cop neutral because they do save the day in the end they kill the guy right yeah but they also like yeah they paint the cops as ineffectual in the beginning and the townsfolk are you know they are taking care of themselves they don't want anyone else in their community but they are keeping themselves safe by all being in this pub on the full moon right yeah i mean they could have handled the situation a little bit better but i don't fault anyone for engaging in community care and mutual aid you know they Mm -hmm. they gave them the tea yeah, and then they sent them to their desks. I don't, it I happens. You can't win them it all. Happens. All right, so we'll see you uh, next week for whatever the poll decides. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, you can find us on, yeah, if you want to take the Instagram poll, at SpookySuccubus underscore cast. Look at that. I remembered. You I know our Instagram it. name. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I don't know. Thanks for listening. Whoa, update. Rory Cochran liked your post about Oculus. (gasps) Wow. Wow. We've made it. We're in the big time. I'm going to take a... uh, I tagged them all, so. Taking a screenshot. Um... We're famous now. Yeah. Don't worry about it. We won't let it get to our heads, though. I'll let it get to my head. (laughs) All (laughs) right, party people. We'll see you next week. Okay, bye. bye.